Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of Bucketheads, Ohio State's full-time full schedule is out. Seth Towns is going under the knife again. Chris Holtman is crisscrossing the country on the recruiting trail. And Gonzaga's Mark Few had a few too many last week. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with the lovely Justin Golba for episode eight of the Bucketheads podcast, Land Grant Holy Land's only basketball podcast, and one of the few basketball center podcasts in the SB Nation family of website. Uh, Justin, how is your week going so far? Has it been just as brutally long and, and difficult as mine has been so far? Yeah, it honestly has been very long and very, very busy. Um, but, you know, nothing better than sitting down and talking some Ohio State hoops to slow it down a little bit. First and foremost, we uh, you know we have a full schedule for the, for the Buckeyes and the rest of the Big Ten as well, but we don't care about the rest of the Big Ten today. Um, so we're going to run through that first. Um, I think it's pretty backloaded uh, myself. Without going through all the individual games, we're going to do that in a second. Um, what were your initial thoughts on the schedule when you saw it, just like in general? Yeah, it's definitely backloaded, and uh, which is something as a as a fan I prefer. I like to see exactly how they're playing going into March Madness. Uh, it's not like college football where if you want, like Ohio State just lost to Oregon, but if they win out, they still have a very good chance to get to the college football playoff. And, you know, you don't want to lose late in college football and college basketball. It doesn't really matter when you lose uh, as long as you are getting some quality opponents in. <clears throat> you look at Michigan State, the way they've always done that, they don't really care what their record is at all, and they're always ready for March. Uh, those last four games, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan State, and Michigan, they're going to know exactly how they're, how they're playing heading into uh, March, which I enjoy. And then, you know, there's some great non-conference games in there where they're going to play some top five, top ten teams and, I think it's going to be a very good kind of barometer to see where they are in the beginning of the season and where they are at the end. Yeah, absolutely. The the, the back end is is definitely a little bit heavy. The the non conference will be interesting because they have two of the you, know, you have two of the traditional blue bloods, the just the most well probably the two most well known you know basketball programs. If you were to walk up to somebody on the street and say you know name two really good college basketball teams, Duke and Kentucky probably. Um, so they play both of those squads. But if we look at it. Uh, just from start to beginning, um, you're the Mac guy. You probably don't know anything about Akron basketball this year, but they're probably not good enough to hang with any Big Ten team, right? That's their first real game. Uh, in a short answer, no. And then you have Niagara, which that'll be a fun one. Um, just because to so Greg Paulus, um, Thad Mata's former assistant, former Duke point guard, Syracuse quarterback, I believe. Um, 
and now uh, Niagara's head coach. So he'll be coming back to Columbus for the first time since the Thad Mata, um, Chris Holtman switch where unfortunately Paulus, um, you know, lost his job when the, you know, the changing of the guard there and then Fort Myers tip off, but it's in Columbus, I guess. So they'll play another Mac school BG, which actually Bowling Green has been pretty good, like in the Mac the last five or six years. Yeah, they had the best player in the MAC over the past two years in Justin Turner, uh, but he is gone, so Bowling Green will be down. Okay, and then I know you were a big Xavier guy for the TBT. Um, as far as I keep, you know, when I keep track of Cincinnati and Xavier, a lot of times I hold Cincinnati in higher regard than Xavier. Um, Ohio State had Cincinnati for like the two-year contract, the home and home. This year they have um, they draw Xavier in the Gavit games. Um, which is the um, what's what's what? Geez, what conference is Xavier? And why am I drawing a blank right now? Gavit Games is between the Big Ten and the Big East, Big East. right? Um, yes, Big East. So they draw Xavier on their plate in Cincinnati against Xavier. Yeah, I mean, there's they shouldn't have too much trouble with Xavier. Zach Fremantle is their best player. Um, he is back. They have guys like C.J. Wilcher, Paul Scruggs, Colby Jones. They do return a lot from a team that was pretty good last year, but I do think Ohio State's on the a different level. And then you get seat. And then the, for the Fort Myers tip off when it actually shifts to Fort Myers. So that's interesting. They play Bowling Green, like Bowling Green doesn't get to actually go to Fort Myers, like <laughs> kind of sucks. So Bowling Green gets to come to Columbus and probably get beat. And then Ohio State will go to Fort Myers and they'll play Seton Hall. Um, and then they will play either Florida or Cal, neither Seton Hall, Florida, nor Cal are listed in anybody's preseason top 25. So, Again, games Ohio State should probably win. Um, and then you have Duke at home. Coach K's final Big Ten ACC matchup. Um, that'll be, that will be a doozy. Yeah, that'll be a game that just, I mean, <clears throat> good luck getting tickets to that one, I guess, at this point. Um, you know, that's going to be Coach K's farewell tour. You know, you have Pablo Benchero coming in, who's one of the best recruits in the country. Um, for Duke, they do return Wendell Moore. You know, Duke doesn't return a lot of guys ever, but they actually do have a couple of returners on this team. Mark Williams is back, Jeremy Roach is back, so uh, this will be a good. This will be a good, obviously a good, good competition. I mean, Duke is Duke. You know, you're never gonna. It's awesome they're catching Duke at home. Uh, I would not want to go to Cameron to try to play them ever. So to get Duke at home is obviously a win in and of itself. Um, but you know, that'll just be it. They do have Theo John as well, uh, who transferred in from Marquette. So. You know, this is Duke. Duke's Duke. You know, you're gonna get. Yeah, you're gonna get a great they, team. Duke is just like they just recruit at such a high level every year. We kind of take it for granted, but like Duke has three players on three freshmen. They Bonchero, AJ Griffin. Um, uh, don't remember the third guy's name, but basically all three of those freshmen had any of them gone to Ohio State, they would be Chris Holtman's biggest like recruiting like commit of his like five years, if he had got any of those three. And it's just, like you said, Duke is Duke. So they just have three top 20 recruits coming in the same class. Plus they have Theo John from Marquette. So, you know, they'll be, they'll be good. I can't recall a bigger non-conference home game. That's like been played at the shot period. I I don't remember a a non-conference game at home. That's going to have this much hype be as expensive as you said. Um, This is going to be like a really big deal. 
Yeah, I can't think of one. I mean, this is Coach K's farewell tour. It's Big Ten East Challenge. It's Ohio State at Duke. I don't know if the top of my head last time Duke came to Columbus, but if it's ever happened, I'm sure it was a while ago. Um, you know, I'm sure that that'll be a beat writer's job to figure <laughs> out. But you know, it, it's it's it, Trevor Kells is by the way who you're thinking of. Um, there are other freshmen coming in, so I mean, they're a fantastic team. No doubt. And then after that, so that'll be a Tuesday night. They'll get a few days off. They'll start Big Ten play at Penn State. Um, new coach, um, Michael Shrewsbury, old Purdue assistant, I believe he came from Purdue. Um, Penn State, what's funny about Penn State is, and I was looking at the rosters last week, um, they actually return more from last year's team which they were not bad last year. Like they had some guys in that team. They just dealt with the COVID stuff. Um, they actually returned more guys than I thought they would. Like when when Michael Shrewsbury came in and Chambers went out, everybody everybody and their brother went to the transfer portal, and a lot of them came back. So like John Hera, I believe is back. Um, he is back. Seth Lundy, I believe, is back. Miles Dredd, I believe, is back. I think the only contributor they really lost was they lost Isaiah Brockington. And obviously, Jamari Wheeler plays for Ohio State now. But they have Seth Lundy back, who's a very good player. John Hare is a very good player. Miles um, Dredd is a very good player. Sam Sessoms is a very good player. So that that actually, I think Ohio State should win that game. But Penn State isn't going to be as terrible as we thought they were going to be when it all seemed like it was falling apart. Yeah, I think it's one of those games where is Penn State a bad team? No. Does Ohio State need to beat them? One to show prove a message, and two just because of how good they are. Yes, Ohio State needs to. Ohio State has this thing over the past seven years where they just struggle with Penn State. They don't necessarily lose to them, but they struggle with them. Um, and the funny part is, if you were to ask me who I think would be the most important person on that team if everybody came back, I'd say Jamari Wheeler. So it's nice that he is. He's an, he's Buckeye now. And I don't know who their ball handler is for the most part, so with losing Brockington and Wheeler, so that will be a, a thing they have to fix. But um, you know, it's yeah. they're not they're not Minnesota, but they're not. Michigan. Yeah, they're not they're not going to be great. They're probably not going to be a tournament team, but I don't think that they're going to be that atrocious. And and the way that though, I think they still do the tournament the same way. Do they still do like the quad one, two, three, and four wins for tournament? Do they still look at it that way? Because I'm pretty sure that the way they do quad like one, two, three. It's like if you beat a really bad team, but it's in your conference and it's on the road, I think that's still like technically a quad like two win. So just winning a road game is a big deal for like your tournament resume, even if it's a bad team. So that that'll be a, a fun one. And then they go from there Sunday to Wednesday. They come home, they play um, Towson at home, non-conference cupcake. Then they play Wisconsin at home, which Wisconsin – lost a hell of a lot too, but Brad Davison naturally is there again. Um, so then they'll get Wisconsin as their second Big Ten home game. Yeah, and I mean, Wisconsin's just kind of the same deal as Penn State. They're not a bad team, but if Ohio State wants to uh, solidify themselves as a top um, top five team in the conference or a top three team is what I think they are, they need to beat Wisconsin at home, especially with Kentucky the next week. Looming, yeah. So yeah, you're leading into that. They get a week off, and then they – Get Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic out in Vegas, um, which Ohio State has either a two or a three game winning streak against Kentucky. Um, the last few times they played Kentucky, even when they played them a few years ago with that really really bad team with like Jaquan Lyle, Mickey Mitchell, AJ Harris, um, 
that team beat Kentucky. So Kentucky hasn't beaten Ohio State in a little bit. That'll be interesting um, just because Ohio State and Kentucky both are probably going to be floating in like the 10 to 20 range of the AP poll around that time. Um, so really, there's probably not going to be like a – neither team's really going to have a big advantage. They're probably going to be pretty comparable. Yeah, I'd say they're both in Tier 2 of college basketball. Not exactly a national title contender yet, but could be. Um, but, you know, Kentucky, they brought in a lot. Oscar Toshiba from West Virginia, Kellen Grady from Davidson, CJ Frederick, who we know from Iowa. Um, you know, they, they did that Kentucky thing where they're, you know, you need a new refresher on the roster every season. But uh, they still have some great players. And, I mean, it's good. again, Duke's Duke, Kentucky's Kentucky, you know. Exactly. Um after Kentucky, so they have a couple what should be just gimmies. Tennessee Martin at home, New Orleans at home. Um, Nebraska on the road should also be a gimme. Um, we talked to, to Kevin Sweeney a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, um, about Nebraska. They're on the upswing and kind of the same as Penn State, even if it's a bad team, if it's a bad conference team and you beat them on the road, um, it still should be considered like a quad two victory, I believe. So that'll be that'll be another one that you know you have to win it but we'll probably be a little bit nervous for that one yeah you gotta love the way ohio state starts the schedule honestly because you go like you said penn state wisconsin early on december and then they go nebraska indiana northwestern wisconsin penn state nebraska minnesota they can win every single one of those games and it'd be great if they could start eight or nine and oh because then you go purdue iowa maryland you get into the tough games but the start of the schedule just throughout I mean, January in general is not hard. You look at their first nine Big Ten games. Yeah, I mean, you look at their first nine Big Ten games, like statistically, are, are they going to win all nine of them? Probably not. But each individual one, do you look at it and you're like, is this a game that Ohio State should win and will be picked to win? Like each individual one, yes. Yeah, the one that stands out is obviously at Wisconsin because they've already played Wisconsin. Wisconsin will have that tape on them. It's tough to go beat Wisconsin twice, especially when you got one of those in Madison. And also, they could be 4-5-0 or five and oh in the conference going into that game, so they might be riding a little bit of a high. But none of these games stand out as like. I mean, at Indiana will be tough, too. Playing on the road in the Big Ten this period is hard, but Indiana is going to be another team that's going to be better. It's going to be better than what it looked like with the coaching change when it looked like everything was falling apart and everybody's transferring. Well, Trace Jackson Davis came back. Miller Cop from Northwestern, who gave Ohio State problems, he transferred into Indiana. Um, yeah, everything about a, that team is just how can you stop Trace Jackson Davis? They have a solid. They have a solid team. I think Race Thompson still plays. Just they have a a solid team that Ohio State should beat. But playing on the road in Assembly Hall in Bloomington with fans in the building for the first time in two years. Like that, I would love to go to that game. That'll be a really fun environment. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Indiana's a good team, but again, like you said, it's a game they should win. Right. Okay. So then we'll we'll, we'll scoot through. So you got at Nebraska, at Indiana, home versus Northwestern, at Wisconsin, home versus Penn State, home versus Nebraska, at Minnesota. Your first nine Big Ten games gets you to the end of January. You go to Purdue. You play Purdue at Mackey. That I think is the first game that you look at individually and say Ohio State will probably be picked to lose that game. And if you win that game, that's like a steal. Like we we were probably not supposed to win that one. Yeah, I mean, you just look at Purdue; they brought back everybody, and they were good last year. And this is at Purdue, so pretty simple. And then you got home against Iowa. Iowa's going to be down. Home against Maryland. Maryland might 
Maryland is just as good as Ohio State, I believe, if not they're, better. They're going to be a very good team as well. They brought in a lot of transfers. So they're kind of a question mark, but they brought in very good transfers. So And they return Eric Ayala. They return Don, uh, da, 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 what's his name? Dante Scott, I believe, is like the big dude that can shoot threes. Um, they did so they lose Darryl Morcel. He, he, he they transferred. did lose Morcel. He went to Marquette, I believe. Yes, um, and Wiggins is in the draft. So Then you go to Rutgers, which previously that's been a tough place to play but last year ohio state really had no problem with Rutgers, so we'll see if that continues and then you go to ann arbor to play michigan february 12th that'll be another one that's probably you know, ohio state will probably not be picked to win that one because michigan very well could be a top five team this year yeah pretty much everybody's predicted michigan to win the big 10 i mean you bring back hunter dickinson who as much as he's frustrating he is one of the better players in the country at this point and they bring in um a five-star recruit in Caleb Houston. They have a great recruiting class and they're well coached. So that'll again at Michigan. That'll be another game where if they if they win that, that's kind of like stealing more. Yeah, and then you get two home games that are both you know games at Ohio State. Really, this is like the crucial stretch you're talking about. Home against Minnesota, home against Indiana. Before the last four, the, I think these two games are two that they have they have to have to have to win those two. Because yes. it could just be like last season. You could end the season like a f- five or six game losing streak if you don't get those games. So they get Minnesota and Indiana at home. You, I think Ohio State has to pick them up. Obviously, we're saying this way in advance. We don't know We don't know how things are going to shake out. But on paper, you got to pick those up. And then because then they go to Illinois and to Maryland back to back in three, two days apart from each other. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a brutal Thursday, Sunday stretch. Um, somebody mentioned to us in our article about we were picking the hardest games. They mentioned that don't sleep on Illinois this year, um, and nobody is. They're going to be a fantastic team with Kofi Coburn coming back. Um, you know, Andre Corbello has a chance to kind of solidify himself as one of the top players in the conference, honestly. And they bring in some nice transfers and recruits again, and they're well coached. So that that's that's going to be a, a pretty brutal two game stretch. Yeah, Illinois is. We talked to uh, Kevin Sweeney about Illinois too about a month ago. Um, Again, I feel like this happened with a several Big Ten teams. That like it looked like everybody was transferring and leaving, and then it like the players like trickled back in. Like I oh, actually, I think I'll stay. Actually, like Kofi was supposed to go, Trent Frazier was supposed to go. Um, Kofi comes back, Trent Frazier comes back. Obviously, Carbello is still there. They got Omar Payne from Texas Tech. Um, I think they still have Demonte Williams, who is actually the best three-point shooter in the Big Ten last year. Not Justin Irons, it was Demonte Williams. So yeah, Illinois is unfortunately going to be good again. And then Maryland, I think the Illinois men up being they could end up being they could end up being better than Maryland potentially, but playing at College Park, as I'm sure you're aware, their arena is a very tough place to play as a visitor. Yeah, my uh, being from Maryland, my freshman year actually, my high school basketball team went to the state championship game, and it was at, uh, it was in College Park, and that's an awesome, awesome arena. It's a very tough place to play because they put they put those they put the student section right on top of the on the court, and um, it those students it's just loud, man. It can get really loud in there. Correct. Yeah, I mean the student sections on TV, it looks like they go straight up vertically. Like they yeah, look like the upper level of like the horseshoe where it's like a student mm-hmm. can jump and just go all the way to the bottom, like in one drop, like it looks really steep and there's, they just go up vertical. So that's pretty intense. And then after those two road games, the reason that you couldn't drop those home games against Minnesota, Indiana, cause then you go on the road for those two. And then you come back home, March 3rd, you play Michigan state at home and then you get 
two days of rest, and then you play Michigan at home for senior day. Um, Michigan State's going to be a good team. I don't think talent-wise they're going to be quite on the level as like Ohio State, Michigan, Purdue, Maryland. Um, but Tom Izzo gets his boys straightened out and ready to go by March. And Michigan for senior day um, could be the toughest game of the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't ever want to see Michigan State in March. It's just how it works. Like you said, Tom Izzo, there's no other coach I'm willing to say in the co- in the country that has their team more ready for March, no matter how the season went. Um, you know, even this year, I was stunned in the when the playing game when they lost to UCLA. And then, granted, UCLA went on a Final Four run, so it's not they lost to a bad team. Um, I'm confident Michigan State would have beat UCLA. They could have been that team that went on a Final Four run. So. Um, they're, that's another fantastic team. And then Michigan, you know, like we just talked about, they're good. You know, that's not going to change from February to March. So there's your schedule. Uh, overall, I don't think it's that daunting, especially in the beginning. Lucky to get, we talked about, lucky to get Duke at home. Kentucky being neutral site um, is good. They should match up pretty well with Kentucky talent-wise. Um, any final thoughts on the schedule just in general? You know, things are going to change. Teams are going to, some teams are going to overachieve. Some teams are going to totally tank. Um, but overall, so you, you feel good about schedule. You're pretty confident looking at that schedule. Yeah, here's my thing. I think when you look at the non-conference, there's five games that stand out as tough, right? Kentucky, Duke, Florida will be Cal, so will be Florida, Seton Hall, and Xavier. Those are five games that are against good teams. They got to win three of those. I don't really care who it's against, but they got to win three of those. Barring they don't drop a stupid game to Akron or something, that puts them at like 9-2 and two heading into conference play. And then you do your normal whatever in conference, 12 and 6 or 12 and 8 because they play, you know, 20 games now. Whatever it is, as long as they're around the 20 win mark and 10 loss mark, they're fine. That's a solid season. I think they could be much better than that. But I think that would be your your minimum would be like 21 and 10 kind of deal. I, I kind of want Ohio State to fly under the radar a little bit. I mean, last year was yes, like yeah. last year was like they kind of danced in like the two to like six range for most of the season so when the tournament came they you know were pretty much penciled in by everybody as a two seed and then you kind of have the the pressure as a one or a two seed like oh you know we cannot you know we we can't be the ones that blow it as a as a two seed or a one seed i kind of as as speaking as a fan i would kind of rather them just kind of hover in like the 10 to 12 range of the ap poll all year and let some other teams take all the publicity and just pencil Ohio State as like a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament and then get to work personally. <laughs> yeah, you know, you look at kind of do you want to paint that target on your back that early? You know, if they go if they run through this non-conference schedule and they beat Duke and they beat Kentucky, they're going to be a top 3 team. Right, and you're talking about how play. easy how easy the beginning of the the early part of the schedule is. It's like even oh, yeah. if Ohio State's not an elite team this year, if they beat Kentucky, which I think you and I probably, you know, we, we try to, we try to be unbiased sports writers here, but I think we both would probably put money on Ohio state to beat Kentucky and probably lose to Duke. Um, they do that. And they, let's say hypothetically, they win their first nine big 10 games. Where are you in the AP poll at that point? If you're like 13 and one, you're probably like number three or four. So even yeah. if they're not elite, the beginning of their schedule is kind of soft to where like they could potentially like creep way up in the pole even if they're not quite that good. It could very much be a 2019 situation where uh, you know, remember they started real hot, they beat a couple good teams, they beat Carolina by 30 when everyone thought Carolina was good. Absolutely 
shat the awful, bed in January. Horrible January. It could be that, but even different because they can start out ten and one, eleven and zero, and then they get nine easy games to start. They could, this team could be eighteen and one. I'm not saying they're going to be, but they could. And if this team starts eighteen and one, I mean, I'm. I fear God for the kind of expectations fans are going to put on them. So that's just, yeah, that, that's exactly that's exactly what I was saying. It's just like I I don't want this. I want this team to win a Big Ten. I want this team to win the Big Ten conference at some point. They have not won the Big Ten in almost a decade. But it's like part of me deep down is like, yeah, I, I would be okay if you guys just kind of fly under the radar a little bit, get like a five seed in the tournament, a four seed maybe. Let's not draw the attention. Let's not have. Because, I mean, you know what's going to happen next year if Ohio State's a one or a two seed in the tournament in the bracket. You know what's going to be the what oh, people yeah. are going to talk about. So I, kinda be be o- I would be okay with them getting like a four or five seed and not having all that talk stir up, not having the guys in the team have to see that stuff and think about it again. Yeah, and let me be very clear. I don't think they're going to start 18-1. But just looking at the schedule, it's impossible not to go. It's definitely a possibility. So, um, you know, this is a young, this is a team that they're not young, but there's some new pieces. So this team, you know, it could take them a while to click. They might drop a dumb one against, well, they're not going to lose Akron. They could drop one to like Xavier or something, you know, a team that's been around the block a little bit that knows what they're doing. Um, but if this team is clicking from the get go, <laughs> they can win some games in 20, at least in 2021. <laughs> Let's get some recruiting while we have the time here. Um, you are more in touch with the recruiting stuff. Um, you want to fill some folks in on you know the couple pieces you wrote about this week with uh, guys that are getting offers from the Buckeyes. Talk about um, a couple visits this week. Yeah, um, uh, Matisse Buzilas. There's no way I said that correctly, but he's a 2023 forward. Uh, really, really good player. 6'10", kind of a guy that can shoot the ball, a little lanky. Kind of reminds you of like a not as good as a Brzingis, not as tall, but kind of like that. A little lanky, and he can play. He can shoot. Uh, he's from New Hampshire Brewster Academy, which is the same high school Alonzo Gaffney went to uh, for the latter part of his his high school career. Um, he was offered by Ohio State, and it looks like they're fairly high on his list, so he'll be one to watch in 2023. Uh, Bryce Sensenball, who has kind of very quickly risen up the list of from like he has he's been offered from by Ohio State to like he might be a lock to go to Ohio State is visiting this weekend and um Holtman is at some point visiting him so there's a lot of contact there he's a 2022 guy so you got to figure his again we talked about him it kind of depends on what Dylan Mitchell does and how what the what they feel Dylan Mitchell is going to do but again the Dylan Mitchell uh conversation is going completely cold so I don't know yeah, I haven't I, heard I nothing. Know. I haven't heard nothing about him in a while, and it no. seems to me, I mean, if it looks like and sounds like, um, one second here, I'm looking on Twitter to see if there's anything Dylan Mitchell knew. There's really not a whole lot in the past week. If Bryce Sensabaugh is coming to the game this Saturday, which I believe he is taking a visit this Saturday, Ohio State plays uh, Tulsa at home, um, and Holtman is also flying to Orlando to visit him and his family this week. To me, that seems like. They've probably abandoned the uh, Dylan Mitchell. It seems like not literally, but like they're. It looks like they're pushing hard for the three star at this point. Like you know, bird in the hand, bird in the bush. Like it looks like they're pushing hard to lock him up in the next week or so. Um, with visiting him at his home, then bringing him back across the country to Columbus. So 
kind of looks to me like they're going all in. Like, listen, we have it right in front of us. Let's go ahead and lock this up and close this class. Yeah, and 11 Warriors, uh, Griffin Strom just did a great piece about Bryce. It seems like everybody that knows him loves him. And, you know, his coach called him a coach's dream. Granted, you take that with a grain of salt because if he goes to Ohio State, that only benefits his high school coach. So he's obviously going to talk him up. Um, Mm -hmm. But still, nevertheless, you know, he doesn't have to say those things. So um, it seems like they're definitely just leaning into Bryce Sensenball. And then whatever Dylan Mitchell does, Dylan Mitchell does. You know, it's not, they're not basing it off Bryce Sensenball. They're not basing Sensenball's decision off of Mitchell at this point. It seems like they're just going in to try to get Sensenball. So, um, and then all four members of the 2022 class that have committed, obviously, verbally, um, were in attendance at the Oregon football game, unfortunately. Uh, Thankfully, not playing football. And that was pretty dope to see. It kind of looked like the Avengers like coming together for that game. Like it's pretty cool. They got four dudes from different parts of the country to all they're able to organize and get that whole class there together. Probably for the first time, the, those four guys probably together in the same room for the first time, um, you know, get that whole class together and, you know, get them on campus to see a football game. Like I said, unfortunately they lost, but um, I saw the picture and um, looks like the program's in good hands. It looks like. Yeah, it's it, it probably is the first time they've all been together. I haven't seen any pictures or any articles about them being together anywhere else. So uh, it's cool to see. It's like, I mean, it's 2022 class. They're all still in high school, so it's cool to see them coming out and um, you know getting together at least once before they get on campus. Um, Ohio State also offered Jerry Easter Jr. today, who was a freshman in high school. So, I mean, it's cool. Yep, he's, uh, he went to Emmanuel Christian, which is uh, – Emmanuel – I believe it was Emmanuel Christian was a – Jardy just tweeted it out. And if it is Emmanuel Christian, um, that high school was about six minutes from where I grew up as a kid. Um, yeah, Emmanuel Christian. Um, yeah, that was maybe five minutes from where I grew up in Toledo. Um, we have no information about Jerry Easter Jr. here because he is literally like 14 years old, though. So looks like he's a five foot ten guard. Uh, the class of 2025 and Ohio State's getting after it early. Yeah, I'm glad you know where he's from because that means you know more about him than I do. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to sit here and try to analyze a freshman's tape. It's impossible. You know, I'll wait till he's a junior. And uh, I mean, it's a it's it's a private school. It's a private school. Um, small conference. Um, not going to get a whole lot of attention unless they have unless they have a specific player who's very talented. Um, it's not a school that you're going to get like scouts at checking guys out ever. Pretty small private school and a pretty small conference. So um, we'll see what happens. See if they can keep them in state. Yeah, and then kind of wrapping up recruiting news, Ohio State, they did lose the number one class spot to Kentucky this week um, in what is not a surprise after Kentucky landed Shaden Sharp. I believe they lost it after they landed Shaden Sharp, but then them bringing in Chris Livingston from Akron Buchtel, who was the number one player in the state of Ohio, and it's not really close. In 2022, number five player overall, Shaden Sharp's number one player overall in 2022 now that Imani Bates is gone from that class. And, I mean, they're both just fantastic players. Chris Livingston averaged 32-17 and 17 last season, which is just, just ridiculous. So, um, you know, Kentucky's going to be very – it's interesting that he went to Kentucky because he was one of those guys that <clears throat> with the new G League rules, everyone kind of assumed he was just going to the pros. So it kind of starts to show that this NIL stuff is keeping guys in college because without NIL, I don't think there's a scenario where he goes to Kentucky and not the G League. Yeah, probably not. And I think we all knew Ohio State. Like we we were plugging and tweeting and like reminding people that Ohio State has the number one class because we knew it was not going to last. Um, when you don't have a five star in the class, you know, Chris Holtman 
got after the 22 class way in advance. So they were able to get that number one spot for a while. But we all knew that if you don't have a five-star in the class, you're not going to have the number one class. So Buckeyes will probably they'll probably stick in the top 10 by the end of the season. They'll probably still be in the top 10 of the 2022 class, which is a very, which is very good for Ohio State. But there was no way they are going to hang on at number one. No, and technically Thornton is a, is a five-star as of right now. So they do have one five-star. Is he, um, he, with, with, yeah, with, he, he earned wait. that fifth star. Yeah, he just earned his fifth star, um, according to 247 at least. And then also Mitchell is a five-star. So if he does decide to come, or Mitchell might be a high four-star. Anyway, Mitchell could be a five-star. So if he does decide to come, they could finish with two. But, I mean, Kentucky landed three in the past two weeks. So <laughs> kind of yeah, hard to match that. Bonkers. Um, another bit of news here. You know, hit this housekeeping stuff on the way on the way out here. Seth Towns, unfortunately, back surgery announced last week. They're not going to give us much information. They may never give us much information, just that he's having a back surgery. Um, he's going to be out three to four months. It is separate from anything that he dealt with last year. Um, we did reach out to the program. Um, you know, we reached out to the program and we asked them, is this something that bothered him last year? Is this something that's carried over that he needs to get cleaned up you know, before season? And they told us, you know, no. He did not. He was not bothered by the back last year. It was just the knee. The knee is good. The knee is as good as it's been since he was at Harvard. Um, but he will be out three to four months. Um, some folks are saying that we may not see Seth Towns again. I think that some people are just like, "Oh, brother, here we go again." Do you think we'll see Seth Towns again play for Ohio State? Yeah, I think he's going to miss three months, which um, is fine because the season doesn't start for two months. So I think he'll probably be back on the court in December. Um, you know, he's he's. He's a guy that you're probably not going to really necessarily need him for most of your non-conference schedule, but come conference, you need that depth. He'll be there. Um, he's not going to really go anywhere. You know, it's not like, you know, for people, he's just going to be on the bench. You know what I mean? So as long as he makes a full recovery, which it seems like according to our sources, which I can legitimately say, um, it seems like they're confident that he will. Um, so, you know, I think I think he'll, he'll be back in – it's hard to tell, but it sounds like December, mid-December, maybe late December is the time to really pin down for that. And then he's back when you need him. So, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous to just give up on him because he's not going anywhere. So you still have him. You know, you're not going to kick him off the team. So as long as he's able to come back, the knee seems fine. So The ship the ship has definitely sailed of, are we going to get the Seth Towns that was the Ivy League player of the year? Like, yeah, that, that ship has sailed. That is gone. Um, yeah, and I but, don't think that ship ever left this the, the but, station but, for people that pay attention. Uh, oh, I I was holding out hope until about a week ago. I'm not gonna lie, but anyway, um, <laughs> the set towns that we saw in the Big Ten tournament when he had like twelve six and three against Purdue, where he can step into a game and give you like twenty five minutes and like on occasion give you double digits. I think that he, you know, a back surgery like I haven't heard of very many back surgeries that are like. 11, 12 weeks, and I'm back to playing basketball. So they're not going to tell us what the injury is, but clearly it's not like a major, major surgery or else they would not have said, you know, we expect him to be back playing basketball in three months. It has to be something relatively minor. Um, and if his knee's feeling good, like there's no reason that we aren't, like you said, there's no reason that we can't expect to see him back like December, January, doing the same things that he did last year, albeit hopefully healthier, you know, stepping in off the bench and giving you five to 10 points here and there. 
Yeah, and it goes back to what what do you need? Do you need the Ivy League guy who was eighteen and seven? No. You, it wouldn't mean, be would, nice, of course. I would but respectfully you know, I would take that, yeah. But Yeah, okay. yeah, I would definitely <laughs> take it. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna throw it away, but you don't need it. You know, what and the biggest thing I saw last year from him was he wasn't starting games, but he was closing them. He was finishing them for Ohio State come come late in the season. Granted, a little bit of that might have been um just because of some of their injuries they had, because as we know now, they were more injured than that we thought towards the end of the year. But um, he was making good decisions. He, like you said, he wasn't putting up 20 and 10, but you know, you get 10 and five from him while he plays 15 minutes or 20 minutes that, you know, that's not going to kill anybody. So I think, I think you, he's going to be your seventh or eighth guy. I think he's going to be your second or third guy off the bench. You know, the sixth man at this point, is probably Justin Orange. So, you know, we'll see. I, he's going to miss some games early. The problem with him missing the early games, he's going to miss those games like Bowling Green and Niagara where he probably play a lot just because the game yeah, probably won't be true. close. Right. So he misses that kind of game time. But other than that, you know, they still play enough games. They should blow out Nebraska, Minnesota, probably Rutgers, maybe Penn State. You know, he's going to play enough to where I think come late when you need him in February and March, he'll be fine. Uh, just a little outside, uh, out, outside the shot, outside of Ohio State news. We don't really have time to go into too much detail, but Gonzaga's Mark Few was arrested for a DUI about a week and a half ago. Um, have not seen any kind of like suspension, disciplinary, anything by Gonzaga. They put out a pretty blank vanilla comment like, we're going to withhold all comment until our investigation is done. But um, he was arrested and charged with a DUI. Um, and Cincinnati is joining the Big 12. So Cincinnati, the Bearcats um, are leaving the – they were in the AAC. They're going to go to the Big 12. Um, it's going to be really, really weird to see like a Big 12 matchup of like, all right, here we go, a Sunday Big 12 matchup. It's Cincinnati versus Kansas. That just does not roll off the tongue. No, but – I think they'll. I think it's a good match. For, I think it's a good. I think it's good for them. I think it's a good match for them. But you're right. It's it's just the conference realignment stuff is going to mess with my head. It general, makes more so. sense for football because you know obviously it's it's about football. They're trying to get into a bigger conference for football because they've been biting at the bit trying to get into the playoff and they can't because they're in a small conference. But you know we talk about basketball here though. So the whole Cincinnati versus Kansas, Cincinnati versus uh, Cincinnati versus um, this year it'll still be like. Texas, this is going to be weird. Actually, Texas will be out when they come in, so the basketball side of it is just kind of weird. That's all we've got for you guys today. If you're finding us on the website, do not forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and music. Land Grant Hoyland has rolled out a few new podcasts this season. Uh, the Dotted Line podcast is, is uh, recruiting, specifically recruiting. Um, Chris Rennie does buck off. Got a couple new ones. Um, we are posting new podcast episode five days a week at least, so make sure to keep your eye on that. Um, Justin and I will be recording and releasing an episode once every two weeks until probably October. So we probably have one more bi-weekly, um, and then we'll move it to weekly once we get closer to basketball. Um, Justin, tell the folks where they can follow you on social media, as well as um, you started an account specifically for the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm at Justin underscore Golba. That's my personal Twitter account. Then our Bucketheads one is Bucketheads LGHL. Um, you know, come over and follow us there. Not a lot of whole content right now, just because September, we're right in the middle of fo- you know football season kicking off, but. Um, you know, once basketball season really gets going, obviously that will be a very active account. We love to talk to people, talk to everyone. 
um and you know just you know keep following along with us we've only done eight episodes but we've already done some great stuff you know already interviewed the head head basketball coach himself so you know we're only getting bigger and better from here so follow along you can follow me at Lamons, which is l-e-m-o-n-s underscore connor you can follow land grant holy land at land grant 33 LandGrantHolyLand.com is the website if you want to see the black and white, the articles and whatnot. Ride along with us. It's going to be a fun season. We are uh, roughly seven weeks away from tip-off, so as we get closer and closer, we'll be having a lot of fun. Um, thanks for listening. Everybody have a great weekend, and go Bucks. Go Bucks.